After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hey, welcome to another Baseball America podcast, along with uh, Vince DeLara, who is uh, chuckling and uh, amused by my Greek, and J.J. Cooper, mm-hmm. who's used to my stupidity. I'm John Manuel, uh, here on the Baseball America podcast. We previewed yesterday, J.J., we didn't know which National League East direction we were going to go in. We were just going to lick our thumb and stick it up in the wind and see which direction the wind was blowing, and it blows in the direction of Miami, home of the 2017 All-Star Game. Home of the 2017 Futures game. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to both of those uh, this year. Trip to Miami. Never terrible. But uh, we have Vince Lara on. We had uh, Vince on last week to talk athletics. I don't Mm -hmm. think we will talk as long today, Vince, about the Marlins. Because we're going to talk Miami Marlins, the other organization that you did. uh, It's your second year doing the Marlins. And Vince, uh, we definitely made you fall on your sword doing a Marlins top 30. And uh, you know, and, and, and it's been and so it's a little thinner. Yeah. By the end of the day today, it looks like it'll be a little thinner than it was yesterday. And we, we actually had a news peg for today's podcast uh, with the Dan Straley trade, where the Marlins give up three, count them, three minor leaguers. Uh, a little surprising, uh, Vince. But uh, first, first things first, Vince. I know you don't know the Angels farm system or the Diamondbacks farm systems. Uh, you know, Bill Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I've made the joke, and unfortunately, Bill's going to take me up on that. He deserves combat pay for doing Angels <laughs> and uh, and Diamondbacks top 30s. But those are our bottom five systems all. And right. the, the Marlins just traded their number two prospect in Luis Castillo. Where do we have Austin Bryce? 12, 13? Uh, he was 13. Yep, he was 13. Uh, Northwood uh, High School represent here in uh, nearby Pittsburgh, North Kakalaki. Um, and then mm-hmm. Zeke White, we didn't rank Zeke White, did we? No. Yeah, we did, number 22. Oh, we did rank Zeke White. Hoochie mama. Yes, we did. Oh, I didn't realize that's Isaiah White. I didn't realize right. that he's now Zeke. He was in the top 10 last year. So He was. So, so, so three prospects for Dan Straley, whom the Reds picked up on waivers last year, by the way. Right. I, I, right. Let, April me, let me give the two-second Red synopsis of this, which is, this is what rebuilding teams should do. Hey, look, there's a penny. Hey, hey there's a nickel. Hey, there's a dime. Because, again, innings <laughs> innings, and at-bats are cheaper. The cost of an inning or at-bat is cheaper for a rebuilding team than it is for a team that's contending. The Reds can take Dan Straley off waivers, and instead of sending him to AAA, which tells you nothing, because we've seen Dan Straley in AAA for many a year, 
but they could take him, put him in the rotation, work with him, and all of a sudden, Dan Straley had a great year for them as far as, and by great, I don't mean that he was an ace, but he, he mm -hmm. was their ace in many ways, but it was allowed them to turn him into something valuable, and they turn around and trade him for, now admittedly, three prospects, top 30 prospects from one of the worst farm systems in baseball, but right. the number two prospect in the Marlins system, a really good arm in Luis Castillo and two other guys, that's found money for the Reds. And yes. I had someone ask me on Twitter, it was a good question, he said, is this package better than the package that they got for Aroldis Chapman? And I, I think you could yeah. argue, you can't say what it is now versus, because again, we're evaluating this Marlins trade now and we know a lot more about the Aroldis tra Chapman trade a year later. That being said, Luis Castillo is the best player, I do think, even if you rewound the clock on Rookie Davis to last year, mm -hmm. I do believe that you would, I think it's fair to say Luis Castillo is the best player to be acquired in either of these deals. Yes. And it is crazy to say that you could get a better prospect in a deal for Dan Straley than you could for Aroldis Chapman. I, I would end of Red's a synopsis for this. So, so right. Vince, in, go in ahead, fairness, Vince. In fairness, yeah, in fairness, I think you can say, as Brian Cashman would, would have admitted, you know, Chapman was an asset in distress. Uh, so that's what sure, led and to that's that why they shouldn't really have traded him at the low time. price. Yeah, that's low, exactly low why price. they shouldn't have traded him. That's exactly why the Reds should have held on to him. That was just like, I mean, sure. like, of course, Cash is going to say that he's the one who did the fleecing. <laughs> yes. I mean, right. he was an asset in distress. That's when you want to acquire assets. Is when they are at their yeah. absolute lowest value ever. Yeah. And 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 in fairness to Castillo, this is the second time the Marlins have traded him in seven months. Yes. So, so. Read into that what you will, but uh, but that means that means nothing if the Marlins trade you because the Marlins trade everyone. That's the thing that jumps <laughs> out to me about this is is that the Marlins. If you look at the Marlins, I, I did a little work. I went back to the 2013 Marlins draft. Okay. This is this is the thing that does concern me for the Marlins because they keep they just on a perpetual cycle of trading guys away. Mm -hmm. Their 2013 draft. JT Riddle from that draft is in AAA yep. and is at least, you know, a spare piece type guy who may, you know, who may get some big league time. Their 12th rounder. Yep. That's pretty much what they have left from that draft. Um, because Which year is this? 2013? 2013. Colin Moran was Colin a first Moran. round pick. They traded him away. Mm -hmm. They didn't sign their supplemental first round pick, Matt Crook. He's now a giant, but he went to, he went to college. Their, yep. sup, their, their second round pick was Trevor Williams. They traded him. We didn't, we didn't really trade him for Jim Benedict, but we traded him for Jim Benedict. And he pitched <laughs> in the, a good trade. Yeah, but they, he pitched <laughs> yeah, in the majors definitely. for the Pirates last year. Yep. You just go down the list. They KJ Woods, they released because basically he was a guy who couldn't report on time. Yeah, not, and also not a great player. Let's throw that right. in there. Struck out a, Struck Struck out out a lot. Fun. Was very raw. He's he's another part of the genre of raw high school guys who need a ton of time to develop, paired with a yeah. really impatient owner and front office. Great right. combo. Right. That's basically that sums up right there what Absolutely. stinks. Why the Marlins farm system stinks. They trade okay. a lot of guys, and that's fine. Sometimes they're good trades, and they're not. That's all teams. Sure. But mostly they have. I mean, I know we're cutting to the we're cutting to the nut of it right here, but yeah. the Marlins have a scouting department that likes upside, raw, 
athletes like Isaiah White. You can go back yep. for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. You can go first round, Stone seventh Garrett. round, whatever. Exactly. Yep. That you could name a ton of them. Isaac Galloway from yep. 2008 draft. They love raw yep. toolsy jokers, and they don't have a front office that's patient enough to develop them. And for right. a long time, they were terrible at developing them. I have to move away from the freaking microphone. I'm so frustrated to see a front office and, and scouting department do the same stinking thing and make the same mistakes over and over again is mind-boggling. Yeah. And how, So now I sound like Jonah Carey, but Jonah's right about this one. Jeffrey Loria is a POS owner. This is why this franchise is the dirty farm system. Because if you have an no owner, the fish stinks from the head down, and that's the Marlins. Right. Period. So no matter how good or not good Stan Meek and his scouts are at their job, no matter who's in right. charge of player development, they're never going to have a productive, consistently productive farm system because they have an owner who's terrible at running a franchise, and he has one goal now. One goal. It's not to win. He's won once. Shockingly, somehow, the Marlins won a World Series with Jeffrey Lurie as the owner. Now the goal is make – let's Potemkin the hell out of this. Let's Sochi it like we said in our 2014 draft coverage. Let's put up a good face, make the Marlins look good so I can sell this franchise to somebody for uh, way more than it's really valuable. And I, I pity whoever buys this franchise from Jeffrey Luria, but this can't happen soon enough. And it needs to happen soon before the whole South Florida sinks into the ocean. But someone needs to take this team off Jeffrey Luria's hands. He doesn't deserve to own a major league franchise. But here is here, here's my view on that. Like to take it, this is the 2014 prospect handbook. Here's your Marlins list. Starts with Andrew Heaney. What happened to Andrew Heaney? Right. Traded. Traded. Number two was Colin Moran. What happened to Colin Moran? Traded. Traded. Number three was Jake Marisnik. What happened to Jake Marisnik? Traded. <laughs> Number four is Justin yep. Nicolino. Okay. Traded. You know, traded. Number five, Anthony DiScafini, who's a solid starter for the Reds. For someone else. Traded. Number six, Brian mm -hmm. Flynn, traded. Number yeah. seven, Jose Urena. He's still in the organization. Uh, Nicolino yeah. is too. I was wrong about Nicolino. Nic I'm sorry. Nicolino is, but yeah, he's low ceiling guy. But yeah, he's still there. Adam Conley, who, I mean, again, this is not a bad ten. Again, it shows right. you that they can evaluate talent and draft JT talent. JT Realmuto, their starting catcher. Heck of a heck of a pick. Hey, I really like JT right. Real Muto. I've liked him for a while. I mean, I remember a couple years ago, I was like, wait, what's the difference in Real Muto and Swihart? There's not a big difference. Number 11, Trevor Williams, mm -hmm. traded. Number 12, Archimedes Camonero, I believe released and then the Marlins, the Pirates turned him into something. But that's, that's right. Right. You know, number 15, now Sam Dyson, traded. And useful. And useful. Again, the yeah. thing about it yeah. is, is this is not... An organization... Of course, a lot of those guys were acquired from the Blue Jays. Nicolino, Dyson, those right. were trades. But my point is, right. is, is that you, if you are a prospect in the Marlins system, you are just passing through. Right. And I don't have a problem <laughs> with teams trading prospects. A lot of times, yeah. especially when you talk about... These prospects generally, a lot of times, are not the elite of the elite prospects. There mm -hmm. is... There is... It makes sense a lot of times... To trade Chris Paddock, they traded Chris Paddock. He never even, you know, I, he barely unpacked his Marlins gear like before he was mm -hmm. drafted and then traded. That may end up working out as far as trading. They may have traded him at peak value. It is very possible. Right. High school arm yep. throws hard, needs to develop a breaking ball. Was in low A. They may have traded him at I'll peak value. But what they keep doing though is that this is not a team who is tearing it down 
with the goal of, but we're going to really be good in 18 or 19 or whatever. It's a mm-hmm. team that every year is doing all these moves to try to take a 78 to 80 win team to 85 to 87 wins if everything breaks right. right. And every one of these right. trades, what it happens is, is they have, you know, like if you look at their lineup, their lineup is fine. Like if you said, if everyone yeah, stayed healthy, if everyone stayed healthy all year, they are a competitive team. Mm-hmm. If their rotation... Not anymore. Not anymore. Not without Jose Fernandez. No, I'm talking about the lineup. I'm talking about the lineup. Not the not pitchers yet. I'm not going to put the lineup. If you talk about that lineup and you said Real Muto, Bohr, Gordon... It's a contending Echever, lineup, yes. It's a contending lineup. But the problem is is that they have... You started with the two weakest spots. Hechevarria is like offensively one of the five worst right. players in baseball last year. But, and then you get and to, Justin Bohr is a decent platoon player, but, but nothing saying, more. And then you get to Prada and then you get to the outfield. And the outfield right. is, is, is one of the best outfields. It's outstanding. And, yeah, but, but what happens with that, though, is, is that they have one backup plan. Derek Dietrich, we can plug Derek Dietrich in and you can get, uh, you know, and each row at 43 is the backup in the outfield. And if anything else happens, Uh-oh. there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Because they mm-hmm. have nothing. Where's De- somebody called Destin Hood? <laughs> That's their backup plan. And then when you get to the rotation, yeah. it's worse than that. And you're having to rely, hey, do we need Jacob Esch? Yes, we need Jacob Esch. Is he ready? No, we need Jacob Esch. So, so let's, let's get back to the farm system. I'm sorry, Vince. We, we, JJ and I have already uh, emptied our tank of our frustration. Well, I, especially me. I, I'm offended that by this franchise. And it's not the people who work in it. It's not the Mike Burgers and the Stan Meeks and those guys. It's right. just that they have an owner who I don't have any respect for. Um, so now you have a contending major league team last year that really had a bad second half um, mm-hmm. due to a variety of reasons. You subtract their best player in the tragic right. death of Jose Fernandez. So Dan Straley, obviously they had a need in their rotation. That's why right. they make this trade. But Vince, JJ just pointed out, they don't have many backup plans and their farm system also does not have... They just don't have much talent close to the majors at all. In fact, you had Austin yep. Bryce listed as best 2017 rookie. What other right. options do they have closer to the majors, if any? I mean, they have tons of right-handed relievers. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's what we'll start with because that's just where the, their, their uh, I guess, where they've concentrated all of their ammunition toward, and, and, and it's, that's the only area of strength that they have. I mean, it's already pretty good. Their bullpen's already pretty good. And then they've got guys like Drew Steckenrider and Bryce would have been in that, in that uh, group as well. Wow. That, that's, that's it. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty weak. As you said, John, you, you pointed out their, their drafting of, I know, raw toolsy outfielders. And they did it again this year with Thomas Jones and Sean Reynolds, who, and Corey Byrne and Aaron Knapp, you know, a couple of guys who can run, but that's about it. You know, I mean, you're talking about really either really raw guys uh, like Jones and Reynolds or, or, you know, guys who are one tool, you know, possible fourth or fifth outfielders. So they don't have, there's just not a whole lot there there. And here's, um, the, and here's the killer part you know, about it is I think they recognized it and mm-hmm. recognized in 2013, man, you know, we draft really raw. Let's try to draft mm-hmm. some closer to the big league players, some guys a little bit more polished who might move quicker. 
So they went mm-hmm. Colin Moran. They went Trevor mm-hmm. Williams. They went Colby Suggs. I mean, they still right. drafted high school guys like Matt Crook and Ben Deluzio, neither of whom signed, by the way. Yeah. Ben Deluzio, who yeah. wound up signing as an NDFA as a junior. So you want to talk about evaluation, taking Ben Deluzio in the third round when you couldn't sign him and he wasn't good enough even to be drafted as a junior? I'll say, even though I ripped Dan Patrick's show this morning on Twitter because of its lack of <laughs> baseball knowledge, I will just say the whiff on, on Ben Deluzio. <laughs> They signed and couldn't sign Matt Crook. He failed a physical. I still like Matt yeah. Crook. I like that pick. Right, that it, one I, 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 again, I don't have a problem with. Happened. That's yeah. one of those things that it, no, it I don't blows have a problem with signing, and that's. I, I don't have a problem with that pick. But so I think in 2013 they tried to get more polished, and they immediately didn't like it. I mean, like it was like visceral in their system in like April and May. Like holy crap, we screwed this up by drafting Colin Moran. He moves like Frankenstein and can't hit. They did, they instantly yep. didn't like his lack of energy. It's as if they never saw him play as an amateur. Right. Right. So, as a result, it, it like... this team overreacts the next year in 2014. You have the second pick in the draft. You got Carlos Rodon, born in Miami, Cuban-American, sitting right there. Just right. sitting there. Begging to be drafted by the Marlins. I can't stop my hatred of this franchise. Yeah. They're begging. He's begging the Marlins to take him. Even as a no Boris doubt. client, he probably would have told Scott, step off. Don't bring me any of these peanut butter and any of these tuna sandwiches. Step off, George, and let me sign for the Mar- with the Marlins. And they were like, no. They basically made yeah. up stuff yeah. about Carlos Rodon's back. To, to not take him, and to take Tyler Kolick second overall. How's that working out for you? And then to compound their mistake, Blake Anderson, Justin Twine, Brian Scales in the fourth round, who wasn't on the BA 500. No, no, no. no Casey no, no, no. Soltis. To, to me, this, the, the, Blake oh. one, the Blake Anderson one was one. Blake Anderson is uh, uh, indefensible. Another guy yeah. wasn't on the BA 500, has been, and I, I, I don't know the kid personally, I don't wish him any ill will. It's not his fault the Marlins walked up to him and said, hey, you want to sign for $1.17 million, well below slot, so we can save a little money? It's not his fault. But they set that guy up to fail. To Mm -hmm. fail. And he has fulfilled that. He basically hasn't played. Oh, no, he's played. He's just played really badly, JJ. He's played only 58 games, and he has 34 hits in those games. No, I know. He has not played well, but he has, I mean, he has played 58 games since being drafted. He wasn't physically ready to sign, apparently. I mean, just it was a terrible pick. I mean, like when we, when you and Clint Longenecker found out this is where they were going, it was like, who? What? Like even Clint was like, yeah, teams haven't been like in the fourth to sixth round, like as a pitcher, right? Yeah, I think I mean, people like them better on the mound. Consensus. There, there, guys, there was, I would say not there was consensus, but it, the cons- he the was not. He was in no way considered a consensus second, third round pick. And he was a first round supplemental. And high school catching is the riskiest genre. And who could tell you that? The Marlins, because they drafted Kyle Skipworth in the first round. Yeah, JT Romuto worked out, but Kyle Skipworth. So so they made a mistake. I think they realized where they were as a farm system and that they were drafting all these raw guys. And they went against their own grain with these college guys in the 2013 draft, and it really, you know, it was just against type, and they really did not like it instantly. And then they overreacted the next year, so they just keep making mistakes and then overreacting to those but mistakes. It, it's it, just, it's a, 
it's a bad cycle, and well, that's why they are is. where they are. Let me, let me ask you this, Vince. Okay, we'll get back mm-hmm. to Braxton Garrett, but mm-hmm. with Castillo out of out of the dropping out of the ten, likely moving over to the Reds. Right. Who in this top ten? Who do you, who stands out to you as like, yeah, that guy? You know what? I like this is what I like about him. Who is the guy who you say that's kind of my guy? Correct me if I'm wrong, Vince. That's you. You like Dylan Peters best. If you had a personal cheese ball, I, it'd, be, it would be Dylan Peters. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do like Dylan Peters just because he was. I I went into this process thinking, oh, he'll probably be a back of the thirty guy, and and you know, I think uh, there was so much. Um, positive talk about him inside and outside the organization. I think mostly because he was, you know, throwing a lot harder than they expected that he would after surgery. Um, and, you know, he's a, he's a, 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 he's great makeup guy off the charts, as they say, I laugh about that because Jimmer and I always laugh about off the charts uh, makeup. Hmm. We want to see the charts. So, um, <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> but uh, we have these like, charts, but yeah, no, he just doesn't fit them. Yeah. But he's a guy I like, and and, um, and there's also there was also a lot of talk about Edward Cabrera, uh, just because the Marlins said in, in on all trade talks that was the guy they were asked for and would would not include him. So um, I, I, I would agree. Effort. Cabrera is the guy when I was reading this ten that stood out to me as like, you know, he's the guy who could end up being something like again yeah. Braxton Garrett obviously could, but he was a first round pick this year. Tyler Culler, sure. we don't know how he's got to come back from injury, but. Nope. But Edward Cabrera is a guy I, went, I looked on this and was like, you know, yeah, it's a risky demographic. It, it's 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 hard to be really confident about, uh, you know, right-hander who's yet to pitch above the GCL. That being said, mm-hmm. I could see him turning into a top hundred prospect. It's possible, and yeah, there's not the, many the guys Martin, on this list who it's even possible for. I would agree with that. The, the Martez the Martez comparison that I got on him was was really eye opening. Um, so, uh, but there's another guy that exactly. traded. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like not just um, traded, gave away. Didn't know what they away. had. Didn't know their own right. talent, as JJ pointed out in our Astros podcast yesterday, which I'm sure no Marlins yep. fans listen to. But <laughs> as JJ pointed out, Ben Badler had Francis Martez ranked in the DSL VSL top 20 that he did that fall before he came to the states. Before yep. he came to the states. So Ben had identified him because other scouts had identified, hey, this Francis Martez, there's something there. But the Marlins were like, yeah, whatever. I mean, like, just we must have Jake Cozart at all costs. Or but, Jared Cozart, right. I'm sorry. But Ron Cozart. Again, like, the And they question, gave up on him as like that. The question I just asked was that, you know, when you talk about guys, not guys who are currently top 100 prospects, who are the guys on this top 10 who you can construct a case that they could become top 100 prospects. I mean, really, it's yeah, I, Edward Cabrera. I could not do it. Braxton Garrett. Yeah, that's about it. After Edward, Garrett. Braxton, and Braxton Garrett. And I could construct a case Maybe for... Maybe Tyler Kolek. I could construct a case for Tyler Kolek. If Tyler Kolek comes back... The funny thing with Tyler Kolek, when he comes back, it's really not as much about results as it is mm-hmm. how the ball comes out of the hand. I, if, I'm, if I'm the Marlins, I would prefer to hear that Tyler Kolek comes back out and he's wild at 96, 97. I would rather hear that than he's he's really locating well and he's getting results. He's never going to locate well. I mean, let's face it, that's just not but, his game. But I'm saying, but I'm saying, like again, though, like let's say he comes back, and he's like, wow, his control is even is really a lot better. Right. And he's 92. 
Right. That would be the that would be a, I would be more afraid of that scenario. That would be uh, to quote a Seinfeld film, a death blow. Right. You you want to see <laughs> the fastball be back in the mid to high nineties. Yeah, and and even not just that. I mean, the other thing that made Tyler Kolick Tyler Kolick at high school, where every time we had a photo of Tyler Kolick at a high school game, you saw Stan Meek. Stan Meek was like the Where's Waldo in every photo oh, yeah. of Tyler Kolick. He was always there looking over his shoulder like, Ooh, Tyler Kolick throws 100. I mean, I get it. But it's not just that he threw 100 in high school. It was that he threw a heavy 100. Mm-hmm. Remember, I had these scouts who would talk to me about like guys who threw a light 98, 99 where the ball didn't have that heavy life. Mm-hmm. Kolick threw in the mid to upper 90s with a heavy life. That was the whole, that was the separator for Kolick. The other separator, of course, is his, just his sheer size. Um, right. But, yeah, th- that's it, the thing. Is like it, to, go ahead, Vince. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it was interesting that you said, you know, if you were going to construct a case because, you know, this spring is going to be all about deconstructing Tyler. You know, I mean, what, what their plan is is baby steps with him, um, try to rebuild him. Um, they have the know, technology. <laughs> Right, exactly. I'll six million dollar man, which is where I'm going with that. Thank you. That was his bonus. Nineteen seventies nineteen seventies reference. That's um, right. But that was his bonus. He is literally the six million dollar man. <laughs> so I think um, you know, uh, I spoke to his signing scout, um when I was talking to him about Stone Garrett. He also signed Stone Garrett, Ryan Wardinsky. And you know, I mean, Ryan is um uh cautiously um man, I don't know if I can say cautiously optimistic. He's cautious about where where we go with Tyler on this, and I think, um, oh man, it's number two overall pick in the country. I, I just don't, I don't know what what they can expect uh, going forward. Yeah, it's that it could be that kind of podcast. If we talk, if we talk about the players, we're really gonna need therapy when we're done because it's too depressing. <laughs> I mean, like it, that, that that's that's really because you get the fifty high line. JJ, you like to talk in the handbook about the fifty high line. You get you're below players below fifty high. And at number it? seven. No, you're below now. Remember, right. Castillo's gone. Oh, so now it's gone. So now it's six. Yeah. So now it's six on. Yeah. Six on is guys who are not. Again, when I say the 50 high line, our BA mm-hmm. grades, a 50 means 50 is is basically a first division regular. You're not a star or anything like that, but you were a guy who, on a contending team, you're not looking to immediately replace. There's one guy that I would argue that could have a 50 high that we didn't grade, and now he's number 10 on the list, and that's Isael Soto. Mm-hmm. I would say but, that mm-hmm. probably Isael Soto, if we had to do over again, Vince, if I had it to do over again, I would mm-hmm. jump Isael Soto ahead of Austin Dean and probably right. ahead of Edward Cabrera and have him as a 50 high, even though <laughs> I like Isael Soto. I don't love him. Even though he, mm-hmm. he's a power guy who did not hit for power in Greensboro, which, which is a Correct. warning sign to, to, to you. That's one of my all-time favorite Talking Heads songs. Warning sign on more songs about building and food. Speaking of the 70s, that is a a great record. Not a good record. That's a great record. That's my favorite Talking Heads record. It's a great record. And Warning Sign is a outstanding song. I get that song in my head a lot. Great guitar work by David Byrne on that song. But Isael Soto, that's the one, that's, a, that's a, actually a guy, that one but, of the few guys that I liked in this system. So we jacked him up to 11, but, now he's 10 after I, the trade. I would not argue, though, that he needs to be, a, like, if you said, like, he's a, we'll give you, anyway, he's a 50 extreme, 
Yeah. And I think that there's a reason for him to be a 50 extreme, as you said. It's probably more mm-hmm. of a 45 high or a 50 extreme than yeah. a 50 high. Because he slugged under 400 in Greensboro, as you right. said. Where John Norwood hit 16 home runs the year before. So Yes, but John Norwood yeah, was like 23, like Soto's so yeah. 19. And Soto missed almost the entire 2015 season. That's why he got an extreme. That's so, why he got an extreme is the so injury me, risk in the past. To me, it's... Mm-hmm. But when we say, though, the 50 high line, okay, so you're talking first vision, and that's a high risk. The point of it is, is that most, like, okay, most late half of the first round picks on in the draft of the significant guys are 50 highs. So every organization should have a significant number of those because what ends up happening is, is 50 highs as they kind of mature, a lot of them turn into 45 mediums, yeah. 45 highs. Yeah. Like you see like, oh, okay, you know what? That ceiling's not as high as it looked like it was because he doesn't hit as well as we thought. Or the defensively, he's not developed. The guys kind of move down that ladder, but a 50 high is a pretty baseline kind of, I mean, it's a, it's a base level prospect. Yeah. When you say... This is a guy who you can at least project that there's a, a plausible scenario for him to be a regular. And mm-hmm. the and Marlins lack regular. those. Yes, correct. The Marlins lack players who you can point to. Like, again, like Isiel Soto you just talked about. And I like Isiel Soto. I mean, I've I don't seen, love him. But I've like seen him. Soto a lot in Greensboro. And it's like, you know what? He was, he was one of the few guys on that team who had a pretty consistent approach. Like, he looked like he could hit a little bit, like he had some understanding mm-hmm. of it. That being said, you take Isiel Soto and you put him in not the great farm system. So you put Isiel Soto on the Braves list or the Padres list make very the deep. 30. Doesn't not just make the 30. He's barely, I mean, like he's, he's a depth chart guy who you're like, oh, yeah, I need to make Soto on the depth chart. You know, Padres, <laughs> same way. You, but, might, you may not even put him on there. I agree with you. You may not, he may not even right. make those depth charts. But Absolutely. you put him in a normal, like in a, the, the Cincinnati Reds are a middle-of-the-pack farm system. They don't think of themselves as one, but, but they, they are. are. They're not they top are. ten. And if you said, and although they did help themselves today because they added uh, Castillo. But you have fi- the highest 50 <laughs> extreme you have is at 21, Ariel Hernandez. I know you're ranking Ariel Hernandez ahead of yes. Isaiah Soto. I, yes, yes. I, I'm, I'm definitely... But like Michael Beltre at 23, he's comparable. Nick Hansen is Nick Hansen at 30 is comparable. That's Isaiah Soto. Take, and I, the thing about it is, is that... They've had less time because Isiel Soto hasn't failed, but right. Isiel Soto hasn't. He's now had two full years. One of them was injury prone, but two full years, and he's yet to perform. What about Tanner Rainey? You had him as a forty-five high with the Reds. I'd rather have Isiel Soto than Tanner Rainey. Again, so that's, that's it that's, depends on. See, Rainey is a relief. I mean, he's a pure reliever, but he, he pitched well as a reliever. He pitched terribly as a starter. It's it, it's a debatable either way, but yeah. yes, that's what you're talking about. He's trying to crack the back of the thirty in a mid, yeah, a, a middle of the mm-hmm. pack farm system, and here he is. He's top ten. And Vince, I have a feeling that the Marlins are no longer enamored with Isaiah Soto. I'm kind of surprised he wasn't traded here. Yeah, you know, I thought when there was a third piece, I I, I did think it was going to be him. Um, Keith White makes sense. I mean, they're you know. Uh, not that far off from each other, I suppose, in terms of, you know, well, I guess, no, White is pretty raw. That's true. Um, yeah, but I, 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 if Isaiah White plays full season ball in 2017, it'll be a big step no. forward. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. That's right. 
I mean, um, he's headed to Billings, I mean, probably. Is, you know, now that he's a red. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it's uh, when you look through the system and you see the guys on, you're just you know relating back to the conversation you're having about the back of being on the back of 30s and even mid-level uh, organizations. You know, I mean, Remy Reed, <laughs> Sam Perez. You know, it's just you look at some of the guys that are on this list, and uh, it's, um, it's it's pretty it's pretty lean. It's lean. You know? It's not it's yeah. not mean, and it's not a fighting machine. No, and, no. But the other thing is, is that I do. When you talk about again, this goes back to the, the kind of the bigger picture that I kept hammering on. But when you talk about the ethos of an organization. When you talk about the Cardinals and what they try to build as far as it's special to be a Cardinal, when you talk about right. you know, the Dodgers going back you know, and now they're trying to, re, you know, but like these organizations where every organization tries to put something in place of mm-hmm. have a pride that you are a fill in the blank here. Right. Beyond the fact that Play the Marlins, like beyond the fact that the Marlins don't have a lot to build that around, you know, because they're a team that that really, again, like you said, I mean, uh, if they're an 80-win team trying to do, trying to s- sneak into a wild-card spot. But beyond that, there is something when you look around, like if you, again, like if you are JT Riddle, and you look around, it's like everyone that I knew, everyone that I started in this organization with, I look around and they're all gone. That's, yep. that does have a, it's a minor impact. And again, I don't think that it's like that trading prospect is always a bad thing. Especially got, when you don't, when you're not really a prospect. Like right. If you get a big leaguer for Isaiah White and Luis Castillo, who I I kind of liked, and then who else was the third guy? And Austin uh, Bryce. Right. Austin that Bryce. Could, they could end up again. I like that trade for the Reds, but they could end up very right. well winning that trade. The surprising yeah. part. This, go ahead, Vince. Though, I'm yeah. sorry. But it oh does, no no I was I was just agreeing that they could win that trade. I mean you know all three guys have warts you know and uh, Bryce. You know, came out. You know, Bryce might be an okay relief pitcher, and but Castillo could get hurt. I mean, there's so many things. You know, that that sure it it, it looks fine. Like, um, you know, they they took a waiver pickup and and turned them into something. But who knows? The surprising thing to me is that the the Marlins, I thought this off season actually had done a decent job of reconstructing their rotations depth. Right. You, I mean, it, yeah. you, you, they lost Jose Fernandez in the worst possible way. I mean, it's just a tragedy. Right. For them, obviously, it's a tragedy for baseball to lose a talent and a personality that big. But they actually had some depth. You, you hope they get Wei Yin Chen back to what he was in Baltimore. I liked that signing last year of Wei Yin Chen for the Marlins. Mm-hmm. Adam Conley's good. He's kind of yep. like a junior Chris Sale. He's not as good as Sale, but he's another one of these low-slot lefty jokers that... There seem to be a decent amount of those, and like I think it makes Adam Conley's success makes me think more highly of Josh Hader. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. The, I, mm-hmm. I don't consign the low slot lefty to the relief bin anymore because I see the success of guys like Sale and Adam Conley. Adam Conley's good. I'd rather he weren't mm-hmm. my number one, but I could have seen him as a number two in a contending team when you had Jose right. Fernandez ahead of him. Edison Volquez. He is what he is. Nom, 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 he, nom. he loves innings. He likes to eat them. And his ridiculous arm action don't care. He just a keep on throwing. Um, yeah. Tom Kohler is, you know, Stony Brook represent. He's what a fifth starter yeah. is in the big leagues. Now he's a Absolutely. fourth starter. 
Tom Kohler now is what Dan Straley. He, he's see, he and Dan Straley are two peas in a pod. They're the same guy. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, but they also had Urena, Nicolino, and they picked up Jeff Locke. So to me, why are you picking up Dan Straley? They had depth without this guy. So that's what really vexes me. It's just yeah. a strange trade all the way around. It is. I mean, especially when you have a guy like Jason Hamill who's out there, I mean, who would probably, you could probably get on a one-year deal and, and not give up Luis Castillo or Austin Bryce if you really like those guys. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It really doesn't make you scratch your head. I, I'm not sure what the uh, admission is. What they saw in Dan Straley that, that said, we need to get this guy. Um, you know, I'm, 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 <laughs> I imagine their thought is, he's real cheap. Um, He'll give up fewer homers in Marlins Park than he did in Great American, you know, three seven six. I, you know, I, I I'm not sure. It's a tough one to figure out, honestly. I, I will actually. I, I I see some of the like the Hamill is a good point. If you can sign Hamill, you ideally mm-hmm. you want to go on the free agent market rather than trading away talent for it. But he is cheaper than mm-hmm. Hamill, which never is a you know especially in Marlins is never a bad thing. But beyond that, I think this is a reaction to last year. Because what happened last year with the Marlins is they were hanging on the cusp of the playoff race for a long time. They were, and yeah, they were they trading were mm-hmm. everything away. I mean, right. to try they traded Naylor and Paddock and Seymour. They were trading away prospects to try to win. And then what right. happened to them? To me, more than anything else, is is that that was a thin starting pitching staff, and they ran out of pitching. And you got mm-hmm. to September with the injuries cropped up and all, and they had literally no valid options, both on the pitching staff, and the other way they had no valid options was in the outfield, where they're like, yes, we need Jeff Rencourt. We need him. You know, like, they had, they were, Destin Hood, come on up. They were, they were out. I just of, threw up in my mouth a little bit. But they were out of depth. <laughs> and so what they are they, doing. They could have put Jeff Rencourt in their bullpen. He might have helped more. But they were out of depth. Yeah. And so what happened last year is, is again, I keep hitting, but Jacob Ash. You're, you do not want to have Jacob Esch making starts at that point in his career last year in the big leagues. At when the you're tender still, age of 26. Right, but I mean, not because he's just not, I don't right. know if he'll ever be ready. No. But he's not, he, this was not something where he said, this is a guy who's shown in the minors, he's ready to help. And the thing is, this I This was, liked, they had no other option. The thing is, I liked Jacob Esch when they drafted him. So I, I, th- I really do mm-hmm. think the best way to wrap up on this is, uh, Vince, is there some optimism inside the organization over like getting Jim Benedict in and the fact that at least on the pitching side, they do seem to have a player development plan now? I don't know if they have one on the hitting side, but pitching-wise, they do seem to have a plan, and that's something they have lacked for a long time because all those guys we talked about just now, they're, they have one successful homegrown pitching story in the last decade. It's Jose Fernandez. It's a great one, yep. but they didn't exactly do much with him. He was in the minor uh, leagues for a week. He was a trade yep. guy, wasn't he? Oh, no, he's a tra- no, you just said they drafted him. I'm sorry. So they have two. They have Fernandez. They have Conley. I apologize. But they have been bad at developing pitching for a long time. Dating back to that 05 draft where they took four high school pitchers in the first round and a half. Uh, Chris Volstad, all those guys, and wasted them all, JJ. I'll give them A.J. Ramos. <laughs> That's fine. That's yeah. Three in a decade. What no, do you no, do? No, 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 I know great. a lot of teams don't do better than that. I, know, I understand that. But they've been bad at it, and they have a plan now. So, uh, A.J. Ramos, yeah. I'm not even giving you. That's a that's a decent reliever. Anybody, mm-hmm. literally, in Major League Baseball can develop that. Adam Conley and Jose Fernandez. That's all I'm, that's all I'm giving them. That's it. Mm-hmm. All I'm giving them. Yeah. So, 
I think I think there is optimism um, for Jim Benedict, and also for when Mark Del Piano came back in. I think um, uh, they feel uh, like they're on a better track. Uh, you know, I think um, the smart pick Braxton Garrett was a smart pick. Um, they built a largely homegrown grown bullpen that they're proud of. Um, you know, they did add Barraclaw, who's one of my favorite uh, players coming into the season. Great name. Um, yeah. And um, so I think I think they feel like they're headed in the right direction. Um, but, you know, the, the drafting is uh, problematic. I mean, there's just no there's just no other way to to describe that. I mean, um, depends on what I mean, they're really, really positive about Perez and, and Reed, who they they drafted five and six this year. But, um, you know, and they really like James Nelson. They have they, they think they, they hit on something with him. Um, J.J. Gould as well, but um, the rest of that draft really leaves you um, lacking. I, I just don't know what they – Sean Reynolds, the, the report I got on Sean Reynolds, Reynolds was pretty bad. Um, so, I mean, there's optimism. Sean Reynolds but, is the kid, uh, from, the kid from California who was uh, headed to Rice, correct? Right. He's a real, real gawky kid, um, six, seven, I think he is. Um, uh, so – I think that the scout who saw him, who I talked to about it, said to watch the game uh, he played in, a ball hit him right in the face. Um, he just completely misjudged, and, and that wasn't uh, that was not a rare thing that had happened. He just was not very good at a baby giraffe, I think he was described as. So, um, right, but that he intrigues know, me. Gregory Polanco yeah. was a baby giraffe. I was about to say, yeah, that, <laughs> there's that. But also, yeah. um, the surprising part there is that they drafted him as an outfielder, correct? Yes. I mean, right. I think he was a yeah. better prospect on the mound for most yeah. for most teams. A left-handed hitter with length to his swing, some holes, and solid raw power. Stick not a lot of six foot seven dudes out there who can do it in the big leagues. You better have premium athleticism. And if you're getting hit in the face by fly balls, you probably don't have premium athleticism. That's a, that's yeah, a that's, that's pretty much. It's called a tell. <laughs> that's pretty business. much the report. So. Um, so we, we uh, I, I, I was probably a little harsh on the Marlins, but it's just not. It just comes back to Jeffrey Loria. It's hard to have any good mm-hmm. feelings about this organization from the outside when you have an owner who does what he does, who lied to the people of Miami, extorted a right. ballpark out of them with a lot of tax dollars. I mean, extort's a harsh word, but he certainly seemed to prevaricate and they seem to mislead. There's a lot of documentation that they misled the political leaders in Dade County and Miami to get taxpayer mm-hmm. money. There's a lot of evidence to that that was on Deadspin a couple of years ago. I'm not I'm on a firm limb in saying that and it's it's just hard from the outside to see what he does with that windfall is very short uh, hand to mouth kind of existence for this whole franchise and right. now there are all these reports that he's trying to sell the franchise this off season. So uh, this is not which a long-term not approach. Thing. Pardon me? Yeah, which would which would not be a bad thing at all, I think. Not I for mean, Marlins fans. You're right. Yes. Yeah, I think I think we all agree that that's probably the best thing that could happen for them. And because uh, because if, if, if you guys think I'm I'm Yankees obsessed, then, then Jeffrey Zoria probably has me beat. So um, which is pretty probably bad. Probably better for him to to move on. That, but that's the thing that that does like to me. My summation with the Marlins is is I just don't see like I look at the NL East and the Nationals and Mets are clearly ahead of them right now. Doesn't mean they'll finish the year, but you look at them and you say, those two teams right now are superior to the Marlins. 
I don't think there's any real question on that. When you look no, at no question. And then you say, okay, well, let's look at okay, let's look at out a year, you know, a couple of years. I don't know how this team again, the Braves, the Braves and the Phillies rebuilds should put them well ahead of the Marlins in a year or two. Yes. And so you say, okay, what is Absolutely. again? We talk about windows. To yep. me, if you're a Marlins fan, your hope is that one of these years you're going to get the second wild card. Your hope is this year. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's their existence. Yes. Their hope is now. And their hope now is is you really are. It's like you know what? I mean, I get to to use a poker analogy, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to lose this hand if I get anything but you know. Okay, I need uh, you know. I, I need to I need to pull an inside straight, you know. I need an eight. Okay, anything else, you know? And I, if I get an eight, I win, or something like that. Like where you're talking about, everything has to go so well because if you look in the National League, and it was do, and, they, and the thing is, they were close to pulling it off in 2016. The first half of the season, Don Mattingly pushed a lot of the right buttons. When we saw them in Fort Bragg, they were a contender. They were above 500, and that was a kind of a fun team to be around. And they got a couple injuries. Even after they got D. Gordon back, they had some injuries, especially in their rotation, and their lineup fell and off. And again, that's the thing is, is that they, they had no they're trying to build more depth, but the reality of this is they, when you don't, when you keep trading away your farm system, one of the things that that hurts you is, is that at some point in the year, you're going to have that, hey, so what do we have in AAA to fill in? And the answer is... <laughs> it's like, it's a replacement song. It's, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. What are you going to do with your life? Maybe. Nothing. That's the yeah. end of that song. Maybe Brian Anderson. Maybe. Brian Anderson is some relievers. Brian Anderson, you're yep. Arizona Fall relievers. League yep. home run champion for 2016. Correct. And maybe Dylan Correct. Peters, who let's remember, Dylan Peters had a really nice year. He's also 5'9". Right. He is still 5'9". Right. Now, he's left-handed. Still 5'9". But he's 5'9". Yep. Like, you're hoping... Correct. I don't even know who who is he. Who's I mean, who's who's a big league... Starting pitcher who's five um, nine besides Marcus Stroman. Yeah, Tim Tim Collins didn't didn't survive at five nine. I mean, I don't know. Well, Tim, I, you know, I don't know. If if Dylan Peters ends up being Tim Collins, that's a win. Well, not if he's yeah, a right. full prospect. No, I'm saying still no. <laughs> you have to you have to put the Marlins uh, uh, adjustment on this. Number four prospect in the Marlins system means number fifteen prospect in a normal system. Here's a real way to wrap up on, on what a uh, clown show this is. From a farm system standpoint, if you're in low class A for the Marlins, well, if you're in short season, you're a muck dog, right? Batavia, you're a muck dog. Then you get to graduate to at least be a grasshopper, which at least, like, is a, it's alliterative. You got the whole Bruce Lee kind of, like, those old references. Or is that Kung Fu? That's Kung Fu. To help me out, 70s man. Yes. Return of the Dragon. That's that's where I am with Bruce Lee. I'm not sure where that is. But where does grasshopper come from? That's Kung Fu, right? Yeah. Robert Carradine? Yeah. Correct. Okay, that's right. That's so right. you're a grasshopper, then you're a hammerhead, Jupiter. Then, those are fine. I'd want to stay in Class A forever, because I would not want to be a jumbo shrimp. Right. And I sure as hell don't want to be a baby cake. Yeah. I don't want to wear those thing. uniforms, I don't want to wear those hats, because I'm not seven. So... <laughs> I no think, I think I you, you, you have been well put on, on, you are well on record, you're not a jumbo shrimp fan. I mean, the food is fine. And you're not a baby cake fan. I'm definitely not a baby cake fan. I mean, the the backup mascot for the NBA Pelicans, who's a baby cake who walks around, I mean, that is a frightening-looking SOB. I don't want to see that guy. (laughs) Come on. Yeah, 
pelicans are uh, are uh, not fun uh, creatures. I mean, they're they're predatory. I mean, they're scary. They're scary beasts. And they would be better as a nickname because that was the Southern League nickname for the New Orleans Double A team for a long time. So I'd much rather have the team. Mm-hmm. Be, but the NBA swooped in pelican style and yeah, nice. scooped up that name and its big flappy beak. See, John, I told you, we're <laughs> fifty minutes. Way to the carry lines. that analogy through. That was nice. I'm your Huckleberry. Yeah, I knew we could do 50 minutes on the Marlins because I got red faced and pissed. I, I just really just it just offends me. We will. Uh, I think we're gonna do Mets tomorrow. So uh, Mets fans, I, I, I would promise Mets fans it probably will be a slightly more sedate podcast tomorrow. <laughs> I'm a little bit disappointed. This this podcast ain't got no Scruggs because I was kind of hoping we'd have a little uh, Xavier Scruggs or Austin right. Nola talk, but we had no, we had no Scruggs. We had no Nola. What are you gonna do? No, the trade. You know, I mean. It got me fired up. That was, it that did. Was I mean, I just... Right ugh. Vince, thanks for putting up with it. <laughs> thanks, guys. So, for John Manuel and Vince Laura, this is J.J. Cooper. We'll be back tomorrow. Like I said, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Mets podcast. But for all of us, thank you for the download. Do a reminder, a reminder that you can review us on iTunes. Uh, you know, put a review there. We'd appreciate it. And the other thing is, is store.baseballamerica.com. You can get your prospect handbook to... So you can really dive into this Marlin system when the book comes out. And, or other better systems. Or other better systems. <laughs> so for John and Vince, I'm JJ. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.